0: Hello. Welcome to the TezCast, the Tezos podcast. My name is Kevin Morabi. This is episode three. Welcome. Welcome to the show. This is my first episode back from New York. Global Summit, Tezos Tequorum Global Summit, and Tezos Tequorum Global Leadership Summit. Talk about those. I'll explain what they were, my commentary, things that happened. Uh, Maybe I'll I'll give you my thoughts on the Picard trailer at the very end. Um, I know most people don't give a shit, so that's why I'm going to save it for the end. So if you don't care, feel free to turn it off or skip to the next episode if there is one. Yeah, okay. So, oh yeah. Also, I didn't do any interviews while I was there, like I said I would. Um, Okay, here's why. So yes, I came prepared. I had the microphone and the cord and everything, and I could have totally done it, but honestly, when you go to these things, by the end of the day, by the time you have time to do an interview, you are beat, you are tired, and so are the guests, so they don't want to do it. So, yeah, Uh, but I did make a lot of connects uh, for a roster of interviews to come. I don't want to call them interviews. They're like, I want them, you know, they're conversational, people we get to talk to, Let's call it that. Interviews are so. It just sounds so bland. Anyway, because um, you know, like a job interview, that kind of thing. It's so. Anyway, um, so yeah, Global Leadership Summit. That was really cool. So basically, you have people who run Tezos meetups all over the world. You know, Tezos Tokyo, Tezos London, Tezos um, Tezos uh, Los Angeles. Mine. That's the one that I was representing. Um, that was very interesting. It was kind of like a UN of Tezos localities. Uh, so you got to meet people all over the world. Um, so if you're listening to this podcast, probably you have a unique interest in Tezos, something that most people don't even know what the hell it is. It's rare that you find other people in person to talk to about this stuff. Uh, so just to be at a so to be at a conference or anything that's always awesome because you get to have these types of conversations unless you do a conference call with somebody who's working on Tezos stuff and so are you, but to be in a room with people from all over the world, same objectives, same uh, independent initiative stuff going on, same ideas, same articles we read. It's kind of crazy. It's a very unique experience. I, I think it's it's rare to be uh, in an environment like that. Uh, and it was very nurturing. Um, there was this common kind of um, type kinship vibe or whatever amongst the stall. Um, so uh, it was organized by Tezos Commons and T-Quorum, I mean, uh, Tocqueville Group. And what we talked about, uh, well, first of all, it, it's... Think about this, it's a decentralized protocol, open source, you know, nobody owns this. There's no company behind it. So who are we really? Like, how are we organized? We we all had the independent initiatives. We all took it up to make Tezos localities and then somehow just connect with others online who organize such things or who do the same thing in a different locality. And this was an ability for us to come together to discuss matters that are common to us all uh, and try to help each other, basically. Um, Yeah, it was very cool. I'd like to do more of those things. And um, I think it it definitely did a lot to also, I'd say electrify our activity. I mean, we're talking much more online about our events and this and that, and there's so much more energy and motivation. And you come out of these types of conferences with that feeling, and it just kind of echoes amongst everybody else. So that was Saturday, and the next day we had the Tezos Global Summits, the conference. And this was very different from T-Quorum Berlin that we had a month prior. It was very different. Well, for one thing, it was this conference was a couple days long, whereas... The one in Berlin was one day long, but also who it was directed to was very different. The one in Berlin was very much for developers. The whole thing was for developers. We talked about the core, we talked about uh, technologies that have come out, that are coming out, that are on the horizon, that are planned in the future. Um, now, we did have that at TeQuorum Global Summit New York City, but it definitely wasn't the main attraction. It was more off to the side, not because it didn't matter as much, of course, it's probably the center of everything, but because the crowd that was targeted for this global summit conference was very clearly the finance crowd, Wall Street, people from hedge funds, people from investment banks, people from wealth management groups, and what not, this, that, something, something. They're all, all the finance Wall Street blue chips people, okay? Um, and it's not that they don't care about the all the deep technical stuff. It's that they don't see immediately how it applies to them. So what was in the main hall, what was the main attraction, were more things like panels from people coming a bit more on the business side of things, some from the tech, you know, There's some. there was some crossover, like Adrian Brink gave a tech talk in the main hall. Arthur gave a tech presentation in the main hall. Um, but mostly I'd say there were panels and presentations geared towards the business money side of things, like what this will mean in terms of those types of financial instrument applications. Um, But yeah, there was stuff for developers too. Um, It just wasn't, you'd have to be looking for it to get to it. Um, But yeah, yeah, I think the crossover is very interesting. And over the years to come, we'll probably move more in the direction of uh, being able to combine conversations, uh, being able to present deep technical topics in Tezos in a way that, would be applicable and understandable by people coming from a non-tech background, yet nonetheless are a very important actor in the ecosystem because they're the ones that decide how this is actually applied into action. Um, The decisions that are made that will grow the ecosystem will come from decisions that are financial as well as technological engineering. So, yeah, I think it's important to also keep that in mind. Uh, but it was very cool, um, and yeah, it's not easy actually to even explain all this stuff. Like, w- I met a lot of people on towards the tail end of the conference, and coming from finance, um, myself, I I have two business degrees, but I didn't go the finance track. I always did the entrepreneurship stuff, uh, but I know how to talk to finance people. Like, I know what they understand. I've I've, I've known them for many years. Um, and I found that they were still struggling to understand pretty often the ones I've talked to. I can only say this anecdotally, but they were struggling to understand why Tezos, like what makes it unique for me? Um, I think the message can, can, can get lost in the shuffle, not just the shuffle of what we say that our messaging, but also overall, you just hear so much about so many different blockchains. Um, I think I did a pretty good job evangelizing, uh, in the way of just explaining what it is. Uh, it's actually very simple to explain. It's just that sometimes, um, there could be a miscommunication, which definitely happens whenever a new technology is moving from the development side of things outward towards the expanded ecosystem, the, the business or the technology plus side of things. Um, so yeah, uh, I did write an article about this several months ago. It's still my most read article of the year. Um, but actually, I was looking back on it and thinking about the conversations I had um, and how it's kind of departed from, like, it's just kind of advanced what I was saying in that article. So I think maybe a, an update could be in order. Um, but yeah, the, the article was Why Financial Institutions Love Tezos, They Just Might Not Know It Yet. So having written that, you know, I've thought about these ideas a lot. So uh, I think that was an advantage I definitely had in explaining Tezos to a finance crowd, knowing, empathizing really with what they value, how they need to hear things, how it relates to them, the language they use. So yeah, I think the really the message to communicate things concisely and effectively about Tezos to a finance crowd is for one thing, this is better than other blockchains. And I know that sounds weird. It's like, oh, a blockchain can't be better than another one. I mean, they all, don't they all do different things? They have different purposes. But to this crowd, I mean, yeah, I mean, for all practical purposes, their involvement, what we'd say that they maybe should do on Tezos you gotta explain why is this worth their time. So, why it's better, I'd say a few reasons. For one thing, it's always gonna stay a united asset. It's not gonna fork and fragment apart. That's because of the on-chain governance. It's fork-averse. It's a community that reinforces that, that. believes that all of the differences in the ecosystem or proposals for the ecosystem can be worked out through the blockchain, within the blockchain. Um, and keeping it united, you can be much more secure in the asset that you have. Um, That's one thing, okay? Uh, Especially if you have billions and billions of dollars invested in what you do with the money that you manage. So how can they really build something or invest something worth billions of dollars on a protocol say not Tezos, say something else, in which you don't know if it's going to fragment and fall apart tomorrow, if these developers are going to go this way and those developers are going to go that way. What happens to your asset? It's a lot of money at stake, so they have to be very confident, and you can have that with Tezos. You can't really say that with other blockchains, and I think that's important to set out from the beginning. Secondly, if we're talking to financial institutions about issuing securities on Tezos blockchain or doing really anything financial with Tezos blockchain, it's very advantageous that Tezos is built on a meta-language called OCaml. It's a very, very high-level language that's really, it's for mathematicians. And even amongst mathematicians, it's obscure. But it gives us an advantage for financial s- applications. Okay, um, you can't say that about other things. You can't say that about the blockchains they've heard of. But maybe they're, and they're built in JavaScript, so they can bring on a, tons of developers right away. So they can, um, you know, show off vanity metrics like transactions per second. Um, Actually, that's a very interesting thing. I ha- We did a, a Tezos LA meetup back in a, a couple weeks ago and somebody asked, so what's uh, what, what's your guys, talking about Tezos, what's the transactions per second right now? And I, I realized, I, I told her, I said, I don't know <laughs> because it's not something we talk about. We don't really care. It, it, it's not something that, has as much relevance to compete on at this point other than that it's a very baseline number that's communicated quickly succinctly um like i forgot even that that's like oh yeah that's something a lot of people used to when i was looking at different blockchain projects like that that was a big thing um and it was also something to criticize because it's very easy to say you have you know hundred thousand transactions per second it's like well, well yeah in a bottle under a test environment but when you scale things there's no way to really prepare for that. Um, So, yeah, but we've been spending our... That's another advantage. That's something else that I talk about, that we, and I talked about at the conference to the finance crowd, that we are a community that's pursued these technologies or technologies that will advance things for sensitive numbers, for finance, for business systems. Uh, You know... There's something very unique about that, and I, I don't think you hear it too much from someone soliciting a blockchain project to you. You hear a bunch of vanity metrics that all kind of sound the same. Um, so, yeah, I, that tends to be a good argument um, to, to explain that, look, if you want a blockchain that'll do something media-rich, a game or whatever... Uh, Yeah, go with Ethereum, go with whatever. But if you're looking for something that deals with sensitive numbers and the world of finance, it has to be Tezos. Tezos is the best by far, by far, for that kind of thing. Um, And I, I think it's very satisfying because it also shows we're not trying to sound as like omnipotent in every sense that we're actually humble enough to say, yeah, we're not the best at... This thing or that other thing, but also, who really cares? Isn't it the financial infrastructure that's going to bankroll the rest of technological advancement? And shouldn't you start very high level with things that can be transmitted with formal verification, confidence of formal verification, like numbers and and baseline numbers, like in a financial security? Yeah, th- this all is so logical. That that sense of conservatism, I think, is a very important thing. Um, and when I gave these explanations, the reactions I got were very positive, almost kind of like a relief, like, oh, okay, yes, now I see. It kind of all comes together at that point. But I think in our conversations, the reason why they hadn't realized that earlier on in the conference is perhaps... You know, we're all doing our own thing, our own projects. It's very easy to get lost in the weeds and not know it um, and to really not be aware because maybe we're not very much exposed to people on the other side and what they think and what they care about. Understanding of that only comes with practice, with more exposure, with meeting enough people like that, with trying to communicate with them a certain way, and then, trying it again another time based on what worked and what didn't work, what what was effective as a communication item and what wasn't. Um, So, yeah, I think we need to do more of these. I would even go so far as to say we should do some big events like this in New York every six months and maybe other areas uh, that are financial centers to the world. So London, clearly... Um, San Francisco yeah you know maybe even the maybe even Chicago uh, and I say that because commodities markets which is like that's something that's going to be I, I think the very early things that will be securitized will be commodities that has more of a center toward in the these Midwest exchanges as opposed to, Uh, New York, uh, and San Francisco. Um, So yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely something we should seriously consider. That just came to me. Hmm. So meeting Arthur Brightman, that was very cool. Um, You know, it's a decentralized project. We're all contributing to it and all that. But also, I mean, come on, we're all there because this guy... Wrote this white paper and and put it together, put the project together um, to lead to all of this. So it's a it's a crazy thing to meet someone like that at an event like that. Um, if I may wax poetic for you, just a bit. Uh, there's something to his eyes. He there, this sense of wonder and curiosity. Uh, very relaxed, but also there there's kind of you can tell. There's just a million calculations also happening at the same time, and his brain is still compressing all of the things that he was doing before or will be doing after uh, the meet and greets that he was a part of. Um, But yeah, he's so cool, so nice. He was so friendly. Uh, He can talk about anything from technology to society, has a lot of just a wide breadth of knowledge. Very, very cool guy. Um, He presented Checkers, and Checkers is basically a better version of MakerDAO. Um, I liked how he presented it. He defined the goals first, explained, you know, here are the other ways it's being done. Here's a better way to do it. Here's how the system works. And he also said that in the very beginning, this is a model that it's iterative. He could change it in two weeks. Who knows? I thought that was very cool. I think a lot of people like to go and present, like, yes, this is the gospel from, you know, like, it's it's unchangeable. This is the world. He's like, no, it, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'll self-amend, you know? Um, so that was cool. Uh, but, yeah, so he presented also three different tokens that go along with checkers. So there's the checker token, um, checker token, the draught token, and kits. It was very interesting... I think maybe, like, a visual diagram could have helped. I don't know. That's just me. Let's... Yeah. So, okay. Um, um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't get, like, starstruck, you know? Like, I don't get intimidated by people who are, like, well-known. Never happens. I think Arthur might have been the closest that's come to... I think maybe once that's happened to me... And that was when, like, I live in Los Angeles, right? So I don't, I don't care. Like, I, I see the people all the time. They're at Starbucks. They're whatever. Oh, they're in that movie, whatever the hell. It's not a big deal. It's not like when I was growing up in Philadelphia. It's like, you, you don't meet, like, the most famous person you meet is, like, the local news person at the supermarket. Uh, but yeah, like, I never really cared. I think the first celebrity, or the only celebrity I really got, like, oh, my God, that kind of feeling... It was the first one I saw when I first moved to LA. I remember I was sitting in my friend's car. We were stuck in traffic on the freeway and I was in the passenger seat. And then he's like, hey, look, Gary Busey. It was Gary Busey. So I look off to the right and then I see he, Gary Busey is in this black Mercedes convertible. The top is down. Um, it wasn't a new Mercedes, though. It seemed like something he's had for some time or otherwise a vintage restoration, some kind of a sentimental attachment. It's Gary Busey, you know, you don't know. I remember he was banging the side, the outer side of the car, like by where his door is and over the windshield, like in front of the windshield, he was just hitting it like a drum, his car as we were stuck in traffic. So clearly coked up out of his mind, Gary Busey, which, you know, what else do you want? If it's Gary Busey, you kind of want to see him coked up. I mean, (laughs) that's kind of his thing, right? Uh, But yeah, there was no music playing or anything. He was just playing very vehemently his car like a drum. And I was like, oh my God, I'm in LA, what? And that was the last time. I never got starstruck after that. Um, But yeah, maybe Arthur is the closest anyone's come to having a Gary Busey effect on me. One more thing I will say on the Tezos Global Leadership Summit. I thought it was great the level of diversity we had. I mean, we really had people from all over the world. I would like to see more of a gender balance. I think I've said that before, but... I think we're getting there. I think we will get there. But um, very um, very um, male. Yes. So, yeah, we'll get there. I, I'm pretty confident uh, as we expand, we'll, we'll start to see that come in. I mean, that's an issue with tech. It's not an issue with Tezos or blockchain. It's just anything that's kind of a, having technological roots, that's kind of the 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 lopsidedness we see I used to volunteer at different um, women in tech organizations uh, and and that was always the the issue I mean it, like everything could be rooted to that the lack of understanding maybe issues that of gender in the workplace and whatnot I mean if there was more representation those things would be a bit more balanced but I mean it, it it's a but yeah it's a global issue and I think given the way Tezos is structured The openness, the oneness, the quality of even just the principles of the technology, let alone the community that's surrounded it, that's galvanized it. I think we have a better shot at getting through those types of barriers than any other sub-community in tech, I guess you could call it. But yeah. Okay. So Picard. Uh, Actually... Okay, so I saw the second trailer. I learned nothing new. It's just that Riker's going to be in it. Not clear if he's there as a regular. Not clear if it was just one episode. Him seeing off his friend before he goes and makes his voyage and begins the series arc. But, yeah. People get too excited about little things like that. Um, I do maintain my theory about the Picard series or the girl in the series, that that is the person from... Okay, so the second-to-last episode of Next Generation, the ship... I think it was the second-to-last. Pretty sure. Uh, It was the ship that made this thing by combining the replicator and the transporter and producing some type of presumably biologically engineered organism. And it was put out into space. And yeah, there are images of it. You can look up the screenshots from that. Uh, But they never really said anything in any subsequent series about that object. But the presumption was that that was the ship's child, that the ship was like the, the abstraction of a ship being a sentient being. And that episode was to illustrate the sentience that the ship accrued over the series arc of next generation and that it was built on their values, uh, and, and everything it learned from that crew, which we presume because they're the protagonists are the morally righteous people of earth, like the best of us. Um, or, well, I guess of, of the Federation. But, um, yeah, so it would make sense that in this new series, when they say, like, oh, does this girl not know who she is? Uh, she says, everything tells me that I'm safe with you, talking to Picard, that this would... And Picard's whole character profile in which he regrets being, not having kids, um, his sadness over the loss of his nephew, which was the closest thing he had to a child of his own, Um, that, yeah, in that abstraction, that thing that that ship produced would be the closest thing to an, an offspring, as his career in Starfleet was his work. And that ship in those years were the centerpiece of his career. That's my theory. I think I'm right. Okay, but I digress. Okay, that's the episode. You can follow us on Twitter at, at TezCast. You can follow me. I am at KMarabi, K M E H R A B I. I'll put the links in the show notes. We should get some interviews going. I got a lot of stuff to do. All right, talk to you.